Today on this episode of Going Deeper, we are going to be talking about covenants and blessings and probably a little bit of trivia about the names of God used in the Old Testament. Join me, Kyle McCaskill and Marie Burns and Doug DeGraffenreid as we go deeper. I do have a question that is obscure, that hasn't have anything to do with anything, and I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer to it, but it was something that was proposed to me a couple of years ago, and I never really knew what to do with it. So I'll ask you now and see what you think. It has nothing to do with anything. When God calls Abram and tells him to go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, did Abram screw up by taking Lot with him? That was proposed to me that Abraham Abram got a lot wrong even though he's listed among the people who did everything just about right he did a lot wrong um, should he have left Lot behind and did he start off on the wrong foot by taking Lot with him because Lot caused him a lot of grief along the way maybe not a lot of grief mm. but some grief I was just, it was well, no it, it, he's not particularly commanded about Lot, you can argue that it is definitely unnecessary baggage. However, Lot is necessary for the story. And the necessity of Lot becomes evident in chapter 13. And it's just one little verse. It's the 12th verse. Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the plain mm -hmm. and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Mm -hmm. They're... they're starts all the way back at Genesis 13, a sort of agrarian versus city mentality. Mm. The cities are bad, the farm people are good. And this is what, you know, you, you see Abraham and Lot on this big plain, and they've got mm -hmm. all their, let's not argue about pasture land. Mm -hmm. And Actually, Scripture has you looking at Lot as the younger, sort of dumber one that that <laughs> fell into the temptation of the city. Mm -hmm. and, um, Has to be rescued. Urban, urban is never good. That that seems to be a recurring theme, even in the New Testament in Jesus's parables. Uh -huh. The city, <laughs> the city gets you into trouble every time, boys and girls. So you need to stay out here with Yahweh. Who is the God of the desert? Hmm. The God hmm. of the rough places. He's not the God of the oasis. That becomes who? Baal. Hmm. So, and that's a little bit of what I'm going to say about what's in 12. Um, and then I'll, I want to, I want 12, 15, and then we'll jump, jump to, uh, 15's <coughs> got the actual making of the covenant, how it's done. All right. So what is it in 12? What is it in 12? Call that's of something going to fire you up, girl. All right, bring it on. I got, I got stuff that's going to fire you up. You're going to think, ah, cool. Okay, so we're ready to go? We are. We're not gonna do, rolling. We're going to do the introduction at the um, the conclusion. That's right. It's typical. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'm getting used to the digital world. You are, and that's, I love it. <laughs> What's in 12, Dad? What's in 12? Well, um, first of all, welcome to E100, week two. You start the real story, the story of the Hebrews, and chapter 12 is the call of Abram. 
And moms and dads, um, if you've got kids at home and you're waiting for them to leave home so you can celebrate and have something called discretionary income. (laughs) The Bible says that Abram was 75 years old before he left his father's house. Oh, my son will be so excited to know this. (laughs) And the call of Abram is a little radical because in that culture, and it continues in the time of Jesus, a family was the basic unit of culture, the basic unit of society, Mm -hmm. the basic unit of religion. So God is calling Abram to leave everything he knows. Leave it all, Abram, and come and follow me. And Scripture tells us he was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. But I want to drop down in verse 9, just a little sentence. It says that Abram journeyed by stages toward the Negev. The Negev is the, the desert toward the south. And the book of Genesis gives you hints all along about the book of Exodus. If you have Moses as the same author or Moses as the editor of all five books, you're going to have literary harbingers of what's coming. So Abram journeyed by stages. And if you turn to the book of Exodus, the 17th chapter, first verse, from the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. So we have both Abram and the children of Israel on a God journey. The thing about God journeys is they're usually not the uh, shortest um, number of miles. They are not the quickest. They tend to be serendipitous and circuitous. Mm. And um, as we're along our journey of faith, we need to uh, remember that sometimes God doesn't go the quick route. God will let us see some places that um, we might not have seen. In the 10th verse, we're already introduced to Egypt. Egypt is there. And it's a a story that um, Abram pulls it, and his son pulls it, and it's lying about your wife. She's not my wife. She's my sister. And um, there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to reside there as an alien. So we're introduced to Egypt. Abram goes down to Egypt. The children of Israel go down to Egypt. There's one character in the New Testament who goes down to Egypt. Who is he? Jesus. Jesus goes down to Egypt. So the Hebrew word for Egypt is Mitzrayim. And um, the um, Egypt is this economic power that is always threatening Palestine. Palestine is located between the Egyptian mm-hmm. dynasty and the Assyrian or Babylonian dynasties. So there is always this battle going on, and the, the Hebrews are always caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so we are already being introduced to Egypt, and Egypt is going to become very important in the latter parts of Genesis, Mm -hmm. also in the book of Exodus. So uh, my thesis is the Bible sheds a lot of light on the Bible. If you'll just spend time with your E100 and read carefully and, and highlight. So the 15th chapter is where God actually makes a covenant with Abraham, a covenant is different than a contract. 
Okay. In the United States, we have a contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you buy a house, you sign a contract. When you buy mm-hmm. a car, you sign a contract. Uh, when you sign up for internet service, you sign a contract. And the contract basically says um, the internet provider will uh, give you these things provided you do this, which is usually pay your bill and pay it on time. Mm-hmm. In common law or in our legal system, if either party breaks the contract, the contract is null and void. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so read that fine print on your contract. A covenant is not the same thing as a contract. In a covenant, both parties agree to the stipulations. However, if one party breaks the covenant, the covenant is still in effect. Okay. So just because one party has broken the covenant does not mean the covenant is now null and void. And we see that time and time again with the Hebrews and mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Well, I, in our Joshua talkings, there was a lot of covenant renewal More than that once, happened. Yeah. And, and those are always the Hebrews mm-hmm. saying, okay, God, we promise to do a better job. Right. <laughs> and they never quite get there. The, uh, the making of a covenant is always an in idiomatic form, uh, languages have great idioms. Um, you cut a covenant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't sign it. You don't agree to it. You cut it. And that image comes from later on in the 15th chapter, which y'all are going to read this uh, week. Verse 8, he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess this land? And he said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all these and cut them in two, lying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And the birds of prey came down on the carcasses. Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. A deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain, that your offspring shall be aliens in the land that is not theirs, and they shall be slaves there, and they shall be oppressed for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your ancestors in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation. Marie, here's something y'all needed for the book of Joshua. You also need it for Judges. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So we're already talking about entering the promised land in the book of Genesis. And what you wonder in this covenant making, are we having a reading back from history? Or are we having a word of prophecy moving forward? But the actual covenant is the sun goes down and it's dark and a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces and the Lord made the covenant with Abram. So the covenant is you cut animals in half. Mm-hmm. You lay them either side and the parties making the covenant walk between these animals. It's a bloody scene and the, infra- the inference of cutting a covenant is... If you break the covenant, you see these dead animals on mm-hmm. the side, this is what happens to you. It's a, mm-hmm. um, if I make a covenant with somebody who's just cut all these animals in half, I'm not messing with them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, sir, and no, sir. Mm-hmm. So this is the formalizing of the covenant, and covenants, as you mentioned, are made, and they are renewed, and 
they keep moving forward. Genesis 15, 6, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Uh, God said, uh, your faith in what is to come is very important. And um, lo and behold, if we don't have all quoting this in the book of Romans 4th chapter 3rd verse for what does scripture say Abram believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness mm -hmm. so this belief in the promises of God um, is an important part of Abram's faith journey it's an important part of our faith journey mm -hmm. how do you uh, how do you trust in God's promises mm -hmm. you know um, God will take care of you how about in a pandemic? Do you trust that? I mean, yeah. and so it's belief in the promises that um, validate our faith and move our faith along. The 15th chapter's also got a something. This is this Bible trivia, y'all. If you look in the second verse. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue to be childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. In your computer tablet, mm -hmm. yes. Tell me about the font of "O oh Lord God." First of all, does your say that it says "O oh Lord God"? Okay, is the it word is "Lord" Adonai? Adonai? Is it normal? Is it is normal? It is normal. L O R D. It's L O R D. It is not that. It's not that. It's not small caps. Small, but Mine's the word "God" caps. is small caps. The Mine word. says "Sovereign Lord." Okay, and let's Lord see. Has got the all caps. My God the Lord is Yahweh. Okay. Is what this one says. If you turn back, I uh, see I had this earlier on. It's actually, I want to find an example of. Okay, if you turn back to 12 1. Mm -hmm. Now the Lord said to Abram, and it, Lord mm -hmm. is Yahweh. small caps. It is, yeah. Okay. Some people never have noticed that. Some people have noticed that and going, well, that's their inconsistency, mm -hmm. inconsistent in their font. But when you have L-O-R-D appearing in what we call small caps, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. is the tetragrammaton, the four letters, Y-H-W-H-Yahweh. Uh, okay. Using these big words, you have to define mm -hmm. them for us little people. Now, what's, <laughs> what's interesting to me, you asked that uh, in Genesis 15, verse 2, what what my little computer says uh -huh. is the Lord is you're going to correct me I hope the Adonai 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 Yahweh you have a Adonai Yahweh there. uh huh so God is in the small caps so yeah. whenever you see small caps used in mm -hmm. the Old Testament it is this Hebrew word Yahweh which you will meet in Exodus um, chapter three at the call of um. Moses it yeah. is the the name that the Hebrews it's so holy they will not pronounce it mm -hmm. it's only pronounced once a year on the day of Yom Kippur by the high priest it is the holy name and, and that's um, the day of atonement not the day of atonement the holy name Yahweh so you got it so the normal the normal letters is the Hebrew word Adonai which is the Hebrew word for Lord uh, mm -hmm. Lord master ruler so it, it's just a Again, so Abraham, Abram at this point wouldn't have necessarily known this name. 
know of God. He wouldn't have known this name of God, and Abraham gets a name of God. Uh, later on, I'm, I'm looking at seeing where that happens. There are several names of God through the book of Genesis, and this is where the the, the multiple authors of the Pentateuch come in is by what designation uh, deity is called. Mm-hmm. Is he Elohim? Is he Yahweh? Is he Adonai? Um, so they make this differentiation that different editors use a different name of God. Okay. And okay. So it's not necessarily yeah. that Abram was changing in his understanding of God and therefore using different names. This is the work of our author-editor. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. author-editor. It's okay. however it is. Okay. Verse 7, you're introduced to another town. Um, I brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. Do mm-hmm. you know what Ur of the Chaldeans is? It's Babylon. Okay. So, yeah. uh-huh. wait a minute. We've got we've got God calling his people back home out of the Babylonian captivity and we've got God saving his people out of Egypt you've got those two places mm-hmm. way back in the story mm-hmm. of Abraham hmm. so it says um, it was a center of moon worship yeah there, there are a lot of wacky wacky things <laughs> going on back then so um, but the readings this week get us started with the history of God's mm-hmm. people the Hebrews and um I'll be preaching this week on the Genesis 22nd passage. That's when uh, Abraham takes his son up on the mountain, and Isaac said, Daddy, where's the lamb? Mm-hmm. And so it's a, mm-hmm. one of those Okay, but I need to go back. Stories. Okay, I, she wants to go back. She yeah, has questions. Marie has questions. Okay, so this covenant. Okay. Why didn't Abraham, Abram walk through the animals? Why didn't he walk through? Why was it just God? Ooh, I know. Kyle, <laughs> would you answer the question? Well, okay, so should maybe this is the better question to start with. Why what, should they have both walked through? Should it have just been God? Should it have just been Abraham? You've got this notion of the holiness of God appearing already, mm-hmm. and when when God is described in the or God, this whole covenant thing is described in Genesis, mm-hmm. a deep and terrifying darkness. Mm-hmm. Didn't Adam get that one when it was time to take the rib? A- a- Adam gets a lot of stuff. I don't know. He gets deep and terrifying darkness, but he gets put to sleep. Right. It, um, I felt like the same basic language was used there. We, st- we still have God not wanting... Uh, he's still holy. He's still seen. And covenants made like this uh, keep appearing mm-hmm. you know it's sort of like I, I don't know why in seminary I pictured it one of those Coleman lamps mm-hmm. going through and, <laughs> well if you want to there was know, always something a little more Catholic in my mind it's a Boy Scout image <laughs> yeah. Coleman lamp going through um, and, a, and a covenant between individuals and God is always going to be symbolic okay and there is always going to be this element of faith. Okay. Um, God doesn't leave a lot of calling cards around. He, he lets us decide for ourselves or, or choose whether or not we're going to believe mm-hmm. and how we're going to believe. Mm-hmm. So that that's why Abram isn't exactly walking through it, but he has the experience of it. Mm-hmm. 
we could say it's a, a different form of reality, perhaps, but it's very, it's very real to him. Thus, the description, a deep and terrifying darkness. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not something Abram is going to take lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something God takes lightly. God is the mm-hmm. one who says, let this be what happens to me if who breaks covenant? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Well, if Abraham breaks if Abraham covenant, break covenant. All right, what, hap- what happens to God? Well, I, I think it's a and it's a very powerful foreshadowing. Thanks, Sandy Richter, for the <laughs> the heads up, the clues. But it's a really powerful foreshadowing. Oh, don't I uh, use the word harbinger, rats? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. This is freshman year English. Uh, ah. <laughs> but God says. You know, of course, the, the the covenant was a common thing that was known and used in that Deal. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so God is using a, a construct that Abraham, Abram would have been familiar with, mm-hmm. that the people who were reading this would have been familiar with. And God says, let this happen, you know, the, the covenant, if it's broken, let it happen. But I know that you can't fulfill it, and I know that you won't fulfill it, so I'm going to go ahead and take your part of it too. I'm going to be the one broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes. Fast forward. Fast forward to the New Testament and Jesus. And On yes, God was broken. Mm-hmm. And and you always have to keep the meta narrative in mind, the, the long story of, of mm-hmm. Scripture. Um, I'm not suggesting we find Jesus in every verse, but all the way back at Genesis 3, the scripture starts pointing mm-hmm. toward mm-hmm. Jesus, and uh, a redeemer is coming, and God is going to do something incredible because He knows mm-hmm. that we're not going to keep the covenant. No, I think this is uh, to me, it's just so powerful because we've got scrolls and texts that predate Jesus. That, that have this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like Jesus came and he was this charlatan and manipulated us all and then went back and wrote all of this stuff so that it would all point to him because that's really easy to do. Not really. I mean, it would be really hard to fathom that story. But we do have the historical documentation because of the dates of the writings of a lot of these Old Testament books that are pointing to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and to me, that just is, it's like, yes, they, the people who were writing this didn't know Jesus, but they knew that it was pointing to someone. Something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God's going to do something. Mm -hmm. The other thing is you're reading these Mm -hmm. early chapters of Genesis, just pay attention. There's so many place names, but pay attention to the place names. Mm -hmm. Um, because uh, we have people making covenants in Beersheba, and suddenly we have Abram, now Abraham, returning to Beersheba. And um, in the last part of chapter 22, there's one of the things the book of Genesis loves, um, a genealogy. Jewish um, historians and rabbis say that the book of Genesis really ought to be named Toledoth uh, Generations. Mm -hmm. Mm. It is about the generations, the first generations of God's uh, people. 
Um, the other thing, sort of hinting toward week three, um, you're going to get is you start, uh, the Bible starts being honest about, um, how to say it, God's dysfunctional family. <laughs> um, because these people that are so close to God and the ones that God has made the covenant with, boy, they behave badly. Um, they choose favorite children. Uh, there's sibling rivalry. Um, there are all kinds of things going on because uh, we get the full story. We don't get the gloss. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not. Something that you talk about dysfunctional families, something that happens with Isaac. You've got Jacob and Esau, and Jacob usurps and steals the blessings. What is going We see this over and over again in the Old Testament when a father is getting ready to pass on. There's this moment where he blesses his sons. We don't have that today. What is going on? Because like when Jacob does it with his 12 sons, is that, am I right there? Mm-hmm. Sorry, Israel. He, in that case, is kind of foreshadowing what each tribe is going to act like. There's, It's really interesting what he says about the Levites, to Levi and his blessing. But, I mean, Esau is hugely upset with what happens with Jacob. So, what is, is this like the reading of the final will and testament? Is it prophesying over your children? This is foreign to us. It's foreign to us because how do we die now? Where do most people die? In the hospital. In the hospital. Yeah. Um, people, particularly in the South, used to die at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the body would be removed for the funeral directors to do their thing mm-hmm. and then return to the home mm-hmm. to lie in state mm-hmm. there. Um, I can remember my grandfather, who was born in 1887. Um, he was 78 years old when he died. And on the Thursday he, uh, before he died, I was called into the hospital room and blessed. Really? It, yeah. It's, um, hmm. it, it's It stayed in Southern culture for a long time um, where we would gather around the <clears throat> deathbeds of those we love, parents, patriarchs, grandparents, Mm -hmm. and they would offer a prayer or a word of blessing and um, a very powerful um, moment. Mm -hmm. And you can argue about was it a blessing or does it become a self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. Uh, when you put a set of expectations on a child, Mm -hmm. uh, does the child live up to those expectations. So, yeah, the the notion of blessing um, is a powerful notion in the Old Testament. Um, the males uniquely have the power to bless, and I'm really conscious about this because, uh, and you probably know this from your training, Marie, a lot of women particularly spend their whole life looking for daddy's blessing mm-hmm. and daddy's affirmation. Yep. So. Dads, particular, um, tell your children you love them, mm-hmm. that you're proud of them. And if they've done something that um, is what we would call sinful or disappointing, then treat them like the father and the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Welcome them home. So um, there's a powerful spiritual truth here that, mm-hmm. again, we've lost because we, we've stripped this notion of... Um, the male passing the blessing out of our culture completely. Mm-hmm. I'll probably get, um, you know, Facebook um, nasty comments about Ooh, I hope uh, so. the male. 
Mayo <laughs> passing the blessing, and it's, it's, a not, to, time it's back not to then. diminish the role of the woman because no. women in these stories are very powerful. I mean, mm-hmm. Rebecca is obviously running Isaac's household, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've got a whole soapbox we don't have time for that has to do with what God really felt about women, and it's not what most of modern day feminists think. It's there was a mess up in the culture of the time about how they looked at women but women were co-regents in the in the garden mm-hmm. god mm-hmm. always viewed them as equals yes and you'll absolutely. never convince me otherwise a whole soapbox will get lost down that road well it's from the rib <laughs> it's from the rib it's not from the head to be ruled over it's uh-huh. not it's not it's from the feet to be ruled over it's not from the head to subjugate mm-hmm. it's from the rib side by side mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i mean even in the creation of woman the way genesis talks about it you have this natural equality mm-hmm. uh, any feminist can write marie burns bring it on <laughs> so one of the things that came up talking about these blessings is i think it's interesting if i can find it what he says to Esau after the curse is, not the curse, excuse me, the blessings are given out and Esau realizes what happens. And he goes mm-hmm. back into his dad and says, is there nothing left, left for, for me? me? And Isaac answered Esau. Uh, I'm sorry. Here we go. In verse 39, his father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. I read that to be that eventually, Esau, you're going to be tired of holding a grudge against your brother, and you're going to throw that whole, this Mm -hmm. whole thing off off of yourself and when they meet up later on you can see Esau's excited to see his brother his brother's the one that's panicked and mm-hmm. and is afraid still yeah. and still Jacob being <laughs> Jacob but mm-hmm. Esau does that's how I read it anyway yeah, I, don't, I am uneducated no you but, have read it correctly okay so I mean that when I when I hear how he's blessing Esau, what I mean, if if this is a foreshadowing, a prophecy, or a, I really hope this for you, son, that one of these days I know you, you're gonna let this go and you're gonna be free. I mean, how do you feel once you finally relinquish mm-hmm. anger towards a person? It is like a yoke being lifted from your shoulders, from around your neck. It is this freedom. So that's. It's interesting the way the blessings roll. Well, the other thing you also have in that is you may have Isaac um, thinking in terms of what might have been. The wrong kid got the blessing, and I know that Jacob will not take care of the blessing. Mm -hmm. And that Esau would have been much uh, of a a temperament where he would have appreciated this. Mm -hmm. And Failed himself of it, so that's why Isaac can say to Esau, "Look, son, it's gonna be, it's gonna get all right." Mm-hmm. And 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 it's true. We we do see. I think in your next week's reading, um, Jacob meeting his brother, and seriously, Jacob got Esau over here. He's got a river between him. He's got his herds between him. He's got his <laughs> wives. He's his whole family. He and and Jacob's back front. here. So by the time Esau got to Chicken. them, uh, um, he would have been exhausted and Jacob might have stood a chance. How many so, times have you said chicken today? Uh, many. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Chicken? <laughs> 
space balls. Space balls. Uh-huh. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if there can't be at least one obscure or not obscure reference, I... <laughs> we got it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So the other thing is we're getting ready for um, our fifth week Q&A. So if you have questions, Kyle's going to um, show you or present you a way to pose those questions to us. Ooh, yes. You this can is... come to our table and um, through digital miracles and ask questions. Yes, this is uh, very exciting. So, uh, I like it. Uh, yeah. We, man, today was even better than last week, and I am ready to... I know. And next week's going to be very next, different. Next week will be very different. You and I won't be here. That's right. That's right. So be... next week, we have not Marie, not Doug, not Becky, but we have... Haley, Haley Kesterson. Haley Kesterson. Our youth director. And Chris Winterman, our associate pastor. So the voices next week will be quite different. Mm-hmm. I'm but, excited. Uh, I am really yeah. looking forward to where we go from here. Yeah. So if you haven't already, subscribe, like the video, like the podcast, leave us a comment. Ask us questions. Fuss at these two. No, fuss at her. Fuss at her. I can handle it. Fuss at these two about things that they said that you don't agree with. It'll be or, fun. Or, again, we're, we're kidding about that, but ask questions for clarifications. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're, we're doing this rapidly, and sometimes we move too quickly over something. Yeah. That's Because we're trying to cover a lot of material just to whet your appetites Mm -hmm. yeah join the conversation join the conversation youtube podbean apple podcasts google podcasts spotify and i'm sure there's some others out there that i'm missing maybe amazon podcast i think that's a thing now but yes so subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts whether that be video or audio form subscribe like comment do all the things that help the algorithms promote this content to more people. We will see y'all next week.